I recorded today's podcast with Nick North two weeks ago before George Floyd was murdered and before the civil unrest that has ensued took place. And so I almost decided to push this podcast drop date off for some period of time uh, and focus today's conversation more specifically on that. But upon further reflection, I really feel like the reason that I brought Nick on the podcast in the first place, which was to talk about authentic messaging and um, reaching your audience by showing up as your honest and true self, actually bore a ton of relevance to all of us right now as we try to navigate the sometimes difficult and um, confusing waters of of what we say and what we do online in our personal online personas and also um, as representatives of our businesses. So I hope that you enjoy today's conversation with Nick, understanding that we are not directly addressing current events specifically because they hadn't yet happened. Um, and that our conversation, though not specific to that, will give you some good takeaways as you navigate forward. I know that it has certainly been helpful to me. Welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. My name is Anami Tonkin, and I help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. Each week on the podcast, I cover simple, actionable strategies and systems that photographers at every level of experience can use to earn more money in a more sustainable way. Running a photography business doesn't have to be that hard. You can do it, and I can show you how. Nick North, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. How are you? I am so super good. How are you? You know, pandemic good. We're good. We're good. We're, we're I know. Pandemic good. I guess that's true. Yeah, and I know you've got some crazy stuff going on. Trying to move in the middle of a pandemic sounds exciting, to say the very least. I mean it. It adds a certain flair to things. <laughs> well, it makes me extra appreciative that you are willing to take thirty minutes and come chat with me here. I know my listeners are going to be super excited to hear from you. I have had you on my mind for the podcast um, for months now, um, and probably for years, except that my podcast is only months old at this point. But, um, but it's been in the making. <laughs> you know, I have known you for a long time now, and I have known of you for a long time, and I have always just found you to be such a, you know, you've got, you're a person who is so compelling, and you've got such great stories. So when I was going through and I was trying to put my, um, my plan together for, uh, you know, what different topics I wanted to talk about on the podcast, I knew that I wanted to talk about messaging and using um, authenticity. And we'll talk a little bit about how that's some, sometimes a confusing buzzword, but um, how being your authentic self is really a great way to connect with people, especially in the artistic space. And you were 100% the first person that I thought of. And so I am super excited to have you here to talk about that. Well, um, I am super glad to be here to talk about it because it's basically my favorite thing to talk about. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I, you know, and I come at this as someone who has really had to work over time. I, um, I don't know if it has to do with birth order or what I'm an oldest child. And I, um, 
I have, as an adult, really had to come to terms with being myself versus being what I think other people want me to be. And so that that buzzword authenticity always kind of sends me into this like, oh gosh, am I being authentic? Do you think I'm being authentic? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so I think it can be hard for a lot of us. There are some people for whom it seems to come naturally, more naturally, but um, but you are, the per- the reason that you came to my mind for this is that you have you know, you have a rather unusual and in many ways, a particularly challenging set of issues around the concept of self. And you have navigated those over the past years that I've known you with such grace. And you've managed to do that in a pretty public way and incorporated that into your brand. So you are like a unicorn in this space, as far as I'm concerned. I'm a little unicorn on this one. It's true. (laughs) I'm like, I, am, I own the market, folks. You own it. Um, so instead of me blathering on, I wanted to um, give you an opportunity to tell the, my listeners who may not know you or your story a little bit about your background and your story. Yeah. So I, I'm like, hmm, in a nutshell, how do we not make this take the entire podcast? Um, so I was born um, and was assigned female at birth, which means that the doctors were like, it's a girl. And everyone clapped or something. Um, <laughs> Cause that's what people did back then and smoked cigars. That's right. Um, but I, I didn't ever sort of feel like that fit. And I did the best that I could to be a girl for as long as I possibly could. I did all the things I wore nail polish. I learned how to wear makeup. I plucked my eyebrows I birthed children. I married a dude. I did it in an opposite order of that. But like, <laughs> you know, I did all the things. Um, and it didn't work. It didn't stop me from feeling crappy. It didn't. It was like I had all these holes that I couldn't fill. And I didn't know why. I had all the things that one could want. I had the nice house and the big fancy car. And I had the four kids and the really like, honestly, my husband was like the nicest guy on the planet. He still is. He's not dead. That sounded like, yeah. Um, but like I've had all the things and it, it just, it didn't feel good. And so then I sort of blew it all up and admitted to myself who I was, which started with meeting my husband and, you know, starting to date a woman and then realizing I was a dude and then transitioning well, getting married to said woman, then transitioning. And, uh, and now I live life the way that I was sort of meant, I was meant to, I think. And, um, yeah, I'm just, just a dude. I think we all at some point experience some level of like, Oh, I'm in a situation that I, I, I shouldn't be here. I, but your, your story is certainly a more, um, it required more doing to get from point A to point B and, and you did that. The upside to my situation is that it, I do, you know, I get a lot of credit for it because there's a physical transformation that happens. And so because people can see how far I've gone from A to B, I get more credit, I think, but it's not really much different than like you leaving your marriage that you were unhappy in, I assume, or you wouldn't have left it. Mm -hmm. Uh, like it's, it still takes that same courage. It just, everything is hard. There's no scale of hard, you know, like I don't, as much as it's unique, it's just because it's a more like 
concrete example of it. I think that we all end up in spots where we're like, how the hell did we get here? I just did the thing that was in front of me. And I wasn't I, in, in, you know, in not making choices. I was making choices and here I am. And I, it's seven years have passed and I don't know, like, you know, I was married to a dude for 12 years. That's a long time Yeah. to not be married, like to be with a dude as a not straight, like as a not gay dude, I, you know, like I just, yeah, it's a long time. Yeah. But inertia creeps, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> like right. it is. It, you're absolutely right. You take one step in front of the other. You're doing the thing that you think you're supposed to do or someone else. There's a script and you're following the script. I got married. So then I bought a house. So then I should have kids. So first I got the dog, then the kid. I was like, okay, well, this is what happens. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. And there's, you know, I think it can also be really hard. Society tells you marriage is hard or adulthood is hard or whatever is hard. And so there is that question of like, well, is, is my hard? more hard? Should I, should I, is, is this just normal hard? Um, I think that that's, you know, all of those things, they're very, and they're, it's such an isolating set of questions to be asking and to question where you are. It's not, (laughs) it's not really widely accepted to go out and like, ask everybody like, well, tell me I'm miserable in my marriage. What do you think? Your marriage. (laughs) Tell me. Yeah. It's all, there's a, a lot of um, shame and sort of needing to be careful about who you talk to and all those kinds of things that, um, that make that extra complicated. And so I, you know, I appreciate the fact that you are saying like my situation, yours, your situation yeah. is easy for people to look at and say, great job. You have this sort of outward transformation mm-hmm. that, um, indicates the in- in- inner transformation, but at the same time, it's a lot to take on to, to be the poster boy for, for transformation, for change. I mean, that's a lot to carry for people. I mean, it is, but I sort of think of it as more like, Oh, I actually just get to reflect back to other people what they're capable of, because if I'm capable of this and you can see this physical transformation, I'm really just a mirror for like, okay, well then what are you capable of? Because it's probably not this hard. So you probably could do yours too. Right. Like, you know, like there's that little bit of, I just get to be this mirror for people. And so I don't necessarily think of it as like a burden to carry as much as just like a reflection. Yeah. Well, that's a, it's a generous way of, um, of handling it anyway. And it, and it really, I think speaks to the reason that we're, we're talking here, which is the fact that you have taken this, trial in your own life. And I mean, let's call it what it is, right? Even if it has landed you in a, in a place where you are better off than you were before, it has not been easy. I'm sure it has not been without its struggles. Mm -hmm. Um, and so to then take on the additional, um, layer of wearing that and being outspoken in many places and offering to other people who may need that inspiration, your own life and your own story as an example, um, it, it speaks to the fact that you have been an authentic representation of yourself in, uh, in a semi-public sphere, you know, social media and you speak a fair amount. Um, so yeah. So talk to me a little bit about how, you know, now you're living 
life out loud as it were. Um, whereas before, so, and I knew you originally as a photographer, um, (laughs) nobody knows this. We, you and I both were on creative live as students way back when creative live, way back when (laughs) I I think it was 2012, probably for both of us. I, anyway, Mm. I think mine was 2011 and yours was like, it was just barely, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Oh my goodness. Millions of years ago. Yeah. So, um, so so if any of you want to see baby Nick and baby us, (laughs) you can go back into the very deep archives of creative. The thing is, is like the outfit I was wearing minus the terrible newsboy hat, I probably would still wear to this day is the best part. I was like, Ooh, that was still like, I loved that cardigan. It was good. That's so funny. Yeah. I would not wear whatever I was wearing for sure. And my hair was an ab- abomination. My um, hair also. It looked, <laughs> I think I looked a little bit like I had a meth problem, if I'm being honest. Hang on, guys. I have a quick message for you. Did you know that This Can't Be That Hard isn't the only podcast I host? Each month, my marketing director, Dana, and I team up to bring you a fresh injection of marketing ideas and inspiration on our other podcast called The Consistency Club. The podcast is free and available to any photographer looking to uplevel their marketing game, or you can take it one step further and join The Consistency Club, where you get the extended version of the podcast along with monthly email and social media templates, bonus trainings, and special access to the live marketing events we host twice a year. If you're interested in tuning in, you can search for and subscribe to The Consistency Club wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to join us in the membership, you can visit go.thiscantbethathard.com slash club to sign up. Oh, goodness. That was not the, uh, that was not my impression. But anyway. Okay, good. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> So um, what I say all of that to say that I knew you first as a photographer and um, and so you were working and living as a woman and a photographer and you are neither of those things now. Mm-hmm. How would you say that, would you say that you were living authentically in a, you know, on your website and in your social media and stuff like that at that point? And if so, how has, I mean, we all change over time, big and small, right? Um, But tell me how that has morphed and how you've navigated that a little bit. So when I first started as a photographer, I was not, nothing about my website was authentic. I was like, it was on a step to authentic, but it was like an authentic version of who I thought I had to be in order to be successful as a child photographer and as as like a family photographer. So my like logo was like a little more frilly in it but it was like tattoo inspired but frilly and it was like it was still me but just a lot softer and gentler and I didn't swear anywhere and I like had uplifting music in the background on one of those blue domain oh, yes. sites that people used to have yes music know? on the website yeah I about that. <laughs> we did that um but I didn't do very well then that was that didn't go very well for me i the time where i started to become successful as a photographer was when i started swearing on my website when i started saying that i actually don't really like kids very much that um i don't like the my 
my like superpower as a photographer was being able to find something that was likable about anyone, even because I didn't like most people. Cause I was like, you guys suck. You're boring. You're like, whatever. Okay. We got to find something likable here. Yeah. Um, that my about page was like, you're here because you traded in red solo cups in a dive bar on Thursdays for a beer in the backyard with your neighbor. And you're, you're not quite sure if like you've made the right choices in life, but here we are nonetheless. Like that was my, it was for people who still wanted to be cool, even though they were parents that like the dad still wanted to be seen as not like a balding dad bod, like person. They like still longboarded and like, I don't know. I just had this, this very d diverse group of clients that were nothing. They, they were like the outcasts of the city rather than like, the 80% that made up Calgary. Yeah. And, you know, I remember my husband at the time being like, you can't swear on your website. You can't say these things. And I was like, I just, I'm going to like my, my most successful campaign was when I start, when I did my mother lover um, mother's day campaign. And I used the, the, like, I'm a mother lover. You're a mother lover. We should fuck each other's mother's song from Saturday night live. Yeah. <laughs> as my mother's day campaign and it, I sold out and had to add like two more days. And it, I was like, Oh, there is a desire for this. But he was like, you could not do this. This is like, what are you doing? And it was like the first real taste of success I had as a photographer where I was like, Oh, I found the thing. And it was actually just being myself. Yeah. And right. being willing to step outside, like color outside the lines a little bit. Yeah. And like, be okay that the, that the people that were, that came to me, that like a bunch of them were going to be like, ugh, yuck. Like as much as, you know, like, I'm not a huge Jasmine Starr fan because I just don't know her very well slash I'm not a wedding photographer, but like, I do remember from the creative live days, her always being like attract and repel. That's a thing that like she coined and she's not wrong, you know? Yeah. And the truth is, is I think even more now that our, now that the world is more saturated and we have to stand out even more, um, the idea that like people are hiring you because you're a good photographer is unfortunately like, it's so wrong. It doesn't exist anymore. It, that used to be the way, or it was like, cause you were the only photographer or because you were the good one. But now there's like, so many of us and that is true in every field when photographers are like but it's so saturated in my city and I'm like yeah and every city and they're like but it's different with photography and now I don't work with just photographers I work with and any creative so I work with life coaches I work with writers I work with painters I work with um basically if you are a solo entrepreneur and it's somewhat creative you i work with you and every single one of them is like but it's saturated in my industry yeah welcome to the world now welcome because to the we club. have the yeah. internet and we can we can go to it like 30 billion people or eight well, i don't know how many people there are in the world but a lot of them and like <laughs> i don't think we're, we're yeah eight billion eight billion yeah million in canada that's, that's what i'm saying but like there's eight million like 8 billion people in the world. Let's just say half of those people have internet access. We can go to a lot of those people. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that that attract and repel thing is, uh, is so true and it's so scary for people mm -hmm. because um, we're all, all about attracting and 
especially when it comes to um, our art, right? And and I have talked about this a lot. When you're selling a widget, you can you can be someone can say yes or no to you, and it doesn't feel when they say no like a rejection. It also probably doesn't feel quite as personally good when someone says yes. But the the no's hurt or they can hurt. And one of my favorite things, and I've actually mentioned this and credited you on the podcast before, mm-hmm. is um, is your your phrase, collecting no's, like going around and getting used to, like building up your tolerance yeah. for people saying no to you. Because the sooner you build up a tolerance to that, the sooner you are able to like embrace that thing that is you, that is authentically you, and that some people are going to reject. Yeah. And there's so many different hacks to do it. So like an example for me, I also hated being told no as a photographer, but I didn't mind them saying no to the actual photo. Mm -hmm. I hated them saying no to working with me. Mm -hmm. And so I made myself have a really low session fee because I knew that on the sales side of it, I could sit in their living room and show them their images. And if they were saying no to the images, it wasn't because they were saying no to my art. They were saying no to the, how they looked in that photo. Mm-hmm. They were saying no to this is my budget. This is what I have to spend. And so it somehow, it was like a mind trick, like a mm-hmm. Jedi mind trick I used on myself to allow my, like it wasn't about them. It was about what do I, what am I okay with them saying no to? Can they say no to this picture that I think is great and they don't? Sure, because they have all these insecurities about the way their nose looks in that photo and how their chin looks like this. And actually, we only can afford one photo. And so therefore, we're going to use our thing on one canvas and not, you know what I mean? Like, it it wasn't like, no, I'm hiring someone else. I don't like you. Yeah. And so I took away the barriers to hiring me and just was a better salesperson on the other end. So that's really interesting because I also feel like there's a little bit of the of the converse, right? When when you take away the barriers to hiring you, the, the financial barriers to hiding you or to hiring you, um, then if they say no, it's like, oh, that's all about me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's it's tricky. Because I've definitely been in the seat where I'm like, they just didn't hire me because it's too expensive. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. I mean, I also did the same thing, but I the I still made the money I needed to on the other end, and it, so I could still say it was because it was too expensive because sure. I still charge really, like I charge appropriately for my prints, right? My canvases and my packages, like my average spend was thirty two hundred dollars. Yeah. So it wasn't like oh I was screwing myself over. It was just that the upfront spend was one ninety nine. Yeah. And like. I knew that once they had the photos in front of them that I could deliver. Yeah. And so I could still use that out of like, when they actually looked at the pricing and realized that they probably were going to want a bunch of photos up front, I'm not the right person for that. Right. There's still ways to like. Sure. Yeah. We can tell ourselves whatever we need to. Exactly. (laughs) The other thing is that as uncomfortable as it is, it's really healthy to be able to every once in a while sit with the like, they just didn't like me. Yeah. And like, that's okay. And for me personally, that is really hard. I struggle with that. It is extremely hard for me. I am like a people pleaser through and through. I am a Gretchen Rubin obliger. I am a like 
Enneagram caretaker. I am like a hoof. I just, I need to take care of people. I need people to like me. So tell me how you reconcile that with living what, you know, is a very, um, socially, what's the word that I'm even looking for? Controversial, at least. I mean, being myself is revolutionary. Yeah, exactly. And it shouldn't Mm -hmm. need to be, by the way. Howard is a trans person is we're, we're a marginalized community. We can look at the number of, you know, like in Michigan, it is okay. It's illegal to throw a snowball at a car, but it is legal to fire someone for being trans. Like that's the spot that we're at. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it it is hard. It is like, I've lost speaking gigs. Like uh, I had a speaking gig booked um, in Utah (laughs) for like maybe six months after I transitioned. Um, And when I announced that I was transitioning, they wrote and said that unfortunately they didn't need me anymore. Like, you know, because if they, and I get it, they have all their followers were Mormon and like, was I going to fit in? I don't know. It was a thing in Utah. I don't know. Like, and that was five years ago, four years ago or whatever. So it's, yeah, it's like, it's a lot. There's things that you lose because of it. You have to reconcile that. You have to like sit with that and like mourn that and grieve that. And I think the, the more you just sit with it and let yourself feel the feelings of it. And like, that really fucking sucks. I think the faster you can move through it and be okay. Yeah. But there's no way around the part where it sucks. You know, it sucks to lose a speaking gig because of who you are. It sucks that people can fire you because of who you are. It sucks that, you know, trans women get murdered for just being alive. It, you know, it sucks that, you know, black people have to deal with the fact that they're not being hired just because they're black or, Oh, like that's the least of their concerns. You know what right. I mean? Like right, these right. are there are so many things that suck about being us, but that's true for everyone. Like everybody has that thing, and if they don't, then they have some other terrible thing that we probably don't know about. I don't know. That's just my own little philosophy that like it all balances out, and maybe that's wrong, but it's the way that I have to think about it in order to like sleep at night and know that it's like my own little like hack of figuring it all out. That we're all going through things and it all balances out at the end. Absolutely. I think that there's truth to that. And I also think once again, that that's a very generous um, way of looking at it. I have to push myself at times, especially in this political climate to try to (laughs) remember that people are all people. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I, I say that specifically because you, I feel like you're, um, willingness to to wear that mantle and to be yourself in a public space um is is brave uh and i i know that that word gets overused now you don't mean to be trite in any way i think it's true courage that's required and um i was listening to something a while ago and i wish that i remember exactly where it was but i heard someone talk about social media and our sort of like constant presence living our private lives in this Mm -hmm. relatively public sphere. And her advice was um, 
you can share your scars, but she said, share your scars, not your wounds. And yeah, something that Catherine and I always say is that we, that I always, I have a post on my Instagram maybe like a year ago that, or six months ago, that was something about the idea of like sharing from the scars and not the wounds. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the vulnerability and I am a big believer in being vulnerable, but mm -hmm. you don't, I mean, when you're putting yourself out to the court of public opinion and you're sharing raw feelings that you haven't net necessarily yet coped with or, you know, grappled processed. with, what's up? Or processed, yeah. Or processed, right. And you're asking people, you're inviting anyone to, you know, tear you to shreds or judge you or whatever. If you're still in that soft you know, difficult place that you're, that's a level of vulnerability that may not be ill-advised. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple of things from it. So I think that yes, like your wound is open and the level of like vulnerability that is putting you in danger is high, but also when you have a wound, it's often infected, it's pussy. And like when someone touches it, it sprays out it at them. And I feel like, a lot of the time sharing from the wound is like people trying to get the poison out of their wound and yeah. it ends up spraying on everyone around them. And it is like, I just got slimed with that. And it's actually off putting. It's, it's like that thing where like, no one wants you to fondle your victim story. It's not, no one wants you to like, you know, like someone like the idea of like, uh, I'm like kind of, I'm losing the word, but like, like trauma masturbation, like, like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to put it out there and over and over and over again, and I'll share it with the world and I'll process it in real time. And like, I don't believe that that's helping anybody, especially not the person doing the sharing. Yeah. Because when you're sharing that raw wound, unnecessary, like, no matter what, it, it is off-putting to people at a certain point. And there are, there are places where we see that, where it, it isn't off-putting, but I would argue that those people have grieved that thing and processed that thing, and they probably have gotten just, just barely to the side where the wound is closed, where they can share. And I think that those are the people that do vulnerability really well, is the people that can, can, can write the things or say the things when they're just when that wound is just closing mm -hmm. rather than when it's closed and the scar is almost gone it's hard mm -hmm. to tell the story properly and when it's wide open it's impossible to tell the story in a way that is helpful to anyone yeah that's really interesting it took me a long time to even acknowledge the fact that i was divorced in any sort of social media or anything like that and I think we all have to do that on our own time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of feelings of failure and all that sort of thing, even though, and I say this to people a lot in all kinds of things, like treat yourself the way that you would talk to yourself the way you would talk to a friend, yeah. like give them this. And so if a friend were to say to me, I don't want to share that people will judge me, whatever, I would very quickly say, oh, no, 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 that's ridiculous. Right. <laughs> But again, I'm not perfect. Easier said than done. Easier said <laughs> than done. It is. And so again, back to your story and your um, willingness to maybe operate from that very um, fine line of waiting for the 
the first bit of healing to have taken place, but then very quickly dive into sharing your story. Um, I think it's, uh, well, I find it inspirational and, um, and have always just sort of marveled at your ability to, to walk that line. Um, as yeah. I say, for me, it's just always been a practice. Mm-hmm. Not always, but I guess for me now, it's a practice. It's that I make myself write every day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I will share the thing that I wrote that day, but every morning I get up and I write. Um, and I write before I consume anything else. I write like right away. And so it leaves that space for the thing that healed yesterday mm-hmm. to come out today. And maybe it didn't heal yesterday, it heals a week from now, but it'll come out the very next day. And so I have that, like, I get up at, my body just wakes up between like, you know, three and six and I wake up and I write and then I often go back to bed. And like, that's my routine. And because I have it, it leaves that opening for the stuff to come out when it's healed and when it's freshly healed. But if you don't give yourself the place for that to come out, well, then of course it's not going to come out right on that fine line. Yeah. So since this is an audience mostly made up of photographers, um, talk to me a little bit about how you advise your photographer clients and talk to your photographer clients about walking that line and how their authentic self, whether it's a like a painful transition or whether it's just sort of who they are, how that can get incorporated into their messaging in a way that is both um, uh, going to, you know, help advance their, their business, but also help find the right clients. Yeah. I think that the, the real truth is that if you can really figure out who you actually want to take photos of and why, I don't give a shit what the photos are of. I don't, I really don't care if they're like, oh, I want to only take photos of infant feet. <laughs> Wicked. I can sell that if you have a good why. Do you have a why? Do you have a story? Do you have a reason? What, and that reason is usually because of something that they needed. Mm-hmm. And if they needed it, listen, we just talked about how there's all these people. If you need something, someone else on the planet also needs that something. And Yes, it may be a niche to only photograph infant feet. Sure. Mm -hmm. But like, there's this woman out there named Simic who only photographs vulvas covered in glitter. And she has a documentary and a whole thing. So I'm like, if she can do it, (laughs) you can photograph whatever it is that you need to do, but you have to have a why. And if you're just doing it to make money, I don't, then okay, great. You might figure it out. You might not. We'll see if you're in the right place at the right time. It might all work out for you. But if you have a real why, if you can connect with that why other than like, I was born and my grandmother gave me a camera and then I learned it with my dog and I dressed my sisters up and it was so great. And then I had my own babies and learned that I could do it for like, great. That's not a real why. Yeah. If we look at people even like in the community that, that we know, like I'm like examples, Katrina, Katrina at what's 5,200 photo. Yeah. Yeah. Katrina Williams. She has why left, right and center. Yeah. You know, Cornell has why's left, right and center. Man, you're shouting out all my neighbors. These those people all live within 15 miles. I'm like, I I know these people. Yeah. Like I just (laughs) love them, but like they both have why's 
And the more that they, I've worked with both of them and I've seen the progression and the more they stand and they share in their why, the better things go for them. Cornell yeah. just got a friggin' art gallery show thing because he stood in his why and he made art and talked about the reason why he's making his art. Yeah. Not because he wants to take another pretty picture, but because lives like his matter. Lives yeah. like his child's matter. Lives like, because they friggin' matter. And that's why he's taking photos because no one else is doing it properly and doing it justice. And like, so there he is telling his story and that is what connects. Yeah. And if you were just another guy being like, I'm just going to take photos. Yeah. It wouldn't matter. There's no story there. Well, and so, you know, I'm going to bring this back to, first of all, I'm going to link both Katrina and Cornell in the show notes so that you guys can go check out their work because it's so great. Um, But I wanted to tie that back to what you were talking about at the toward the beginning of our conversation, when you were talking about your original website and I almost jumped in there and I, I'm glad that there's this opportunity to jump in now because I was totally like that. And honestly, I feel like it took me a long time to get to where my website was more reflective of me and my voice and um, not just me looking at a hundred different other websites and being like, oh, that looks like it's a good idea. This looks like it's a good idea. Um, And honestly, I feel like that's probably the majority of people, you know, they're getting into, they don't necessarily know anything about messaging and copywriting and all that sort of thing. So you put together a website, what are you going to do? You're going to look around and see what else is out there and take what you think looks good and try and make that yours. So for those people who are kind of in that phase, who may not have stories as dramatic as Katrina and Cornell's stories, um, how do you, do you have sort of a, and we're going to talk about your it factors in a little bit, but do you have kind of a um, a method that you help people really deep dive on their why? And maybe that just transitions into the it factor conversation, but. Yeah, it mostly my big thing is, is what is your clients? I, I call it your outside problem. So like the outside problem is your client needs photographs. They need a photographer. The inside problem is like, what is the thing that they're not saying in the email when they write and reach out to you? What, like, what is the thing that they're really hoping for? So for me and my clients, they were, the outside problem was they had needed photos. The inside problem was that like they needed photos where they didn't look lame and cheesy. And the, then there's the stoner problem, which goes that level deeper, which is like, what is the real, like, the inside problem is the thing that they might say to their best friend. They, they like, if you had enough conversation with them, you could probably like tease it out of them. Mm-hmm. And the stoner problem is that one that's like their deep philosophical, like, but am I cool anymore? Did I lose who I am? Am I still me? Do I still matter? It, or is it just about my kids being cute? Yeah. And the people that came to me were the ones that were like, but do I still matter? Does my relationship with my partner still matter? do my hobbies and activities and the things that I like still matter? Can I pass those down to my children instead of only listening to Barney and whatever? <laughs> like they're the ones that are like listening to the Nirvana lullabies, you know? Right. And if I could answer that question right away in the first 10 seconds, I had them. Right. right? The connection was made. That connection is made, which was like, you know, I think my thing was, was photo for rad parents or something like photos for rad families. Yeah. Um, which is really simple, but it explained 
like what it was really simply. And, and that was when there wasn't 8,000 photographers. So it, or 8 million, whatever, but like, what is that thing? So, you know, I, what, what does with Katrina, like, why does she take photos? Yeah. What was her, like for her, if it was her, it, when she needed those photos of her family, what was the outside problem? What was the inside problem? What is that stoner problem? Right. You know, and hers is really dramatic, but mine was as simple as like, people just wanted to still be cool. You know, like, I just want to still be myself. I don't want to lose who I am because I had kids. Yeah. That's not dramatic. That's not like life changing. It's not like, you know, I now could probably be like, I'm the queer photographer and I'll help trans people show themselves. Like I could do a whole bunch of dramatic things now but I didn't at the time. I was just yeah. wanted to show that like, because I had kids didn't mean that I had to be this like sellout, boring version of a mom that I didn't want to be. Yeah. And it partially because I didn't want to be a mom, but yeah. you know, but I only hired people that made me look like me. All the photos I have of myself that I had, like of photographers that I've hired even though I was living as a woman, I look back at the photos and I'm like, oh, but those still look like me. Yeah. Still myself in them. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's almost flipping that vulnerability and that authenticity on its head. If you're willing to get vulnerable and authentic with yourself and recognize what your inside problem and your stoner problems are, you're probably that's your. Yeah. And usually it's not what they are. It's what they were. Interesting, because right? you had to come through the other side of it to get. It's like speaking from the wound. I was going to say, start off the wound. It's the same thing. If your yeah. stoner problems and outside problems are still active, you're not ready to fix them for anybody else. Yeah, interesting. You know, it's that ten percent edge, right? I feel like we all teach and learn best from. Um, my ex husband was a uh, psychology. Was a psych, is a psychologist, and he. Um, talked about, I remember when he was in grad school, he was learning about the zone of proximal development, which is a really fancy way (laughs) of saying you don't, you know, if I were to go to some master chef to learn to cook, it would be overwhelming. They would be frustrated. I would be frustrated. Whereas if I went and found somebody who was 10% better than me, it would be a really good match because I could learn, you know, they would have just been where I am. So... It is. It's being a step ahead of your clients, but it doesn't have to be that many steps. Yeah. Right. Especially when you're starting out because the whole point is that like you're figuring out who you are and starting out and whatever, but. Totally. And I think, you know, and I talk a lot about the fact that um, photography can be something for some people it is a really long range career, a long term multi-decade career, but it's, it's harder and harder to achieve that given the, the larger numbers of photographers who are out there, because I do think that there is something to be said for clients are often looking for someone who is kind of in that 10% proximal, you know, like I, a lot of people hire me to shoot their newborns and little kids, but the the older my kids get, the more removed I feel from that stage. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm finding that more and more challenging to, to navigate over over time. So tell me a little bit, um, or tell us a little bit about what it is now that you're not a photographer that you do and what you offer. 
Yeah. So I sort of morphed from photographer to coaching photographers because I realized that I didn't actually care about the photography. I really loved the like thrill of the chase. Mm -hmm. Like I really loved to book the client. And then I was like, well, shit, now I have to go do these photos and I have to edit it and I have to like show up and like deliver the stuff. And then I like, then I get to sell things again and it'll be great. Yeah. Uh, and I realized that like, oh, I was really stealing great clients from really wonderful people who really just wanted to make a living with their art and that I could help them make a living from their art and not take their clients, you see? Yep. So I switched and I started coaching photographers and then I started helping them with websites and then I started coaching other people and then it just sort of has morphed. And now um, I work with people all over the world in a bunch of different ways, and but they all start sort of with an it factor, which is basically like a 90 minute deep dive into your business uh, it gives everyone sort of a different thing, which is like a hard way to sell something. I'm like a really bad salesperson at it because I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to get. It just depends on what you need. Like, you know, depends a lot on of, your it factor. Exactly. It depends on where you are in your business. It depends on how authentic you're currently living um, and how authentically you're currently presenting yourself online. There are a lot of people where I'm like, listen, I've spent 20 minutes with you and I can feel like this is not you this has to go in the garbage. It will never work like this. You're going to hate hearing that, but it won't work like this. You have to make like, I can see clear as day that that's not who you are. You're this person over here. Um, and they do it. And then they're like, Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. You've saved everything. You fixed it all. And I'm like, actually I didn't, you had to do the brave thing about showing yourself, but it's about helping someone see the label on them. Like, it's like, you can't see the label from inside the jam, the jar. You're like, I'm grape jelly, but I don't know. I just know I'm purple. And like, what am I even? I don't know. Do I go on toast or do I go on cheese? <laughs> like, I, you know, I don't, right. I don't know what to do with that. Whereas from the outside, I can very easily see that like, oh, you're grape jelly. You'll go great in a donut, great on toast, great on this. But your real passion is ta-da, like, yeah. you know, whatever that is but we can't see it for ourselves. I have a coach. It's, you know, it's, that's the whole point is that someone else has to help us see our, our greatness. Yeah. And I think it's so, especially as solopreneurs, we do so many things. It is so easy to neglect the forest for the trees and the forest really is like, what is it you're selling here? Yeah. And don't say photos. <laughs> right. Um, because there is, I mean, there is so much more to it than that. And if you, the, I do think that the people who are the most um, successful right out of the gate, I mean, there's a certain amount of tenacity that's required yeah. if you want to be in this for the long haul. But and you have to know, have a certain mentality, I think, as an, you have to have an entrepreneurial spirit in some way, I think, to be sure. good at this. But, but I think that, um, the people who kind of you look and you're like, wow, where did they just came out of nowhere and like hit it right away? Um, that was me snapping my fingers. Is <laughs> it are the people who um, are able to sort of harness they more than anything else? Like forget everything else. They have figured out like who they are and who they serve, and they just go after that um, right away. And that yeah, it because that it resonates with people. That's awesome. And I would say they go after it right away. And they also, honestly, they have someone that they work with. And whether that is me, whether that is someone else, whether that is whatever, 
especially if you're going from having a job to being a self-employed person, the split of like, what are my responsibilities every week? What do I, like, am I doing well? Am I not doing well? Because financially in the first three to five years of your business, you cannot judge based on whether you're making money or not. As right. To whether you're doing well at what you do. That's just facts. And so who's giving you a review? Who's helping you to celebrate your little victories and not just move the bar on yourself over and over and over again? Who's helping you stay on the right path instead of just being like, crap, there was something shiny over there and I thought it was cool, but it wasn't. And I lost three months of momentum. Yeah. Who's stopping you from doing that because everyone else is doing that, even though it doesn't line up with who you are. Yeah. Who's And it's, you know, it doesn't even like, depending on where you are in your business, a different level of coach I think is, is important. I will sure. often say to people like, don't come to me if you haven't started your business yet. I'm, you're not ready for me yet. I'm the right. person that you come to when you're like, I started it. I figured it out. It's sort of working, but it's not actually working. Now I'm ready. Like I, but I kind of know, like, don't come to me when you don't have a website and you don't know what you're doing and you have no proof of concept. Like that's a waste of your money. So tell me a story of one of your one of your best it factors or one of your like most successful conversation, 90 minute conversations. I mean, I have a guy that literally I started working with uh, and he, his average billing was a thousand dollars a month and he now bills 40, he billed 47 grand last month and his Ooh. average month is 42 five. Wow. I feel great about that guy. <laughs> I um, bet. Like, I'm like, he is my success story. I'm like, woo, you're good. I love you. Um, but like, he's just a guy that was willing to listen, which is not common in the, like, the guy world, if I'm just going to be honest. Um, he had had his, like, big, like, midlife crisis and was like, I'm ready to live. Like, he, he was ready to do the work. He was ready to be authentic. He was ready to put himself forward and not hide and he was ready to say the uncomfortable things and because he be, because he's a guy and he doesn't have any of that like well I'll just mind fuck it for 6 months before I do it he just did it and it was yeah. like it wasn't perfect but every time I gave him a task he was like great I can go do that thing and he just did it every time even if it was only 80% of what I wanted him to do he did it and then we could fix that last bit yeah and I think that the big thing that we often do as photographers is we, something doesn't work or it doesn't work as fast as we want it to. And then we freeze and we panic and we self-sabotage ourselves because we're all artists. And so we're like, Oh, it's because I'm not any good. And it's because no one likes my work and I must be a loser. And like, blah. And then we just like lose three to six months of momentum because we didn't just do the next thing. Yeah. Whereas the clients that I have that are super successful are the ones that are like, okay, I'm just going to go do it and then get out of their own way. You know, I credit my success in this industry so much to the fact that when I entered it, I had no business framework whatsoever and therefore I had no ego for it. Uh, which is saying something because I had plenty of like, oh, I know better than you. And You're like, I have lost ego in a lot of other places. <laughs> but in this one space, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And so I would just find mentors um, and 
basically say, you know, I need to figure out what it is that they're doing. And I paid some of them and some of them were, you know, more casual than that. Mm-hmm. And I, but I, um, took what they told me pretty much as just gospel and like would go implement it and try it for a period of time. And it was super funny. So back to the creative live thing, Bambi Cantrell was the person whose um, class that I went and took live and, um, (laughs) and uh, years later, I mean, I'm going to say three or four or five years later when I was not, I mean, I had never really stayed in touch with her or anything. And she called me um, out of the blue and it, she wanted to know, she had seen letterpress cards that I had had made, doesn't matter. She calls me about something trivial on the side and we chatted for 15 minutes. And in the course of the conversation, she said, I'm so glad to see that you're still in business. I, you know, this is a really hard business these days and a lot of people don't stay in business. What do you credit, you know, how do, wow, why do you think that happened? And she was one of the people that I have always credited, even though like our styles are super different. Yeah, I mean, like, she does like very different work than what you do, but for sure, learn from her. But I remember, I mean, I was such a brand new photographer when I went and took that class and in a, not in the class, but on the sidelines, like when we weren't filming, we were chatting and I was sort of telling her my story and she was like, well, keep your day job until, I mean, which is never, nobody wants to ever hear that. Right. But, um, but she said, you're in a really great position because you have income. Don't go underselling, undervaluing your photography work, build that business up to where you want to be, want it to be before you rely on it for money. Mm -hmm. And that was so important and empowering. And so anyway, I told her that I said, well, you gave me this really great advice. And she said, no, but the great thing is you took the advice. <laughs> right? it's so true. I mean, it's like you can give people advice until you're blue in the face and they, if they choose to ignore it because it's not what they want to be doing or whatever, you can't take responsibility for then what happens. So. Yeah. It's interesting that you also mentioned that Bambi was like, I'm glad to see you're still in business because I just thought about the people that I was in creative live with. And I think that Sarah and Dubai may still have a studio, but I'm not entirely sure. But the other three people that were in my thing are not photographers in any way, shape or form. And then there's me who is not a photographer, but I just happen to still work with some photographers. And so it's a really thing, like interesting thing that like, yeah, we run creative live and we're just, none of us are photographers anymore. Yeah. Well, it's a, I mean, the thing is, we are all creatives, right? And whether whether that ends up manifesting uh, forever in photography, I'm, you know, really enjoying podcasting and teaching as a creative outlet. I'm still photographing, um, but I think being open-minded and open-hearted about the, the path that you're on and the fact that we are all in this constant state of change, which in some ways is like, that's par for the course for us creatives, like... Um, anyway, well, that is, um, that's all super great. And I, um, before I say goodbye to you, I want you to let our listeners know, um, where they can find you and where they can connect with you and where they can find out more about these it factors that are so amazing. Yeah. So the place that I hang up the most is on Instagram because I am a millennial, um, (laughs) (laughs) just on the cusp. Okay. Just on the cusp. Um, and so I'm there a lot. I'd love to hang out with you on Instagram. What's up, friends? At Epic Danger. 
Um, and then you can find the it factors either on epicdanger.com or on nicknorth.co. And you can follow along on YouTube with our YouTube channel now, which is Beautiful Families Project, or if you just go to our, any of our websites or places, you can find it there. But we are chronicling our, um, our move. To oh, yeah. There. So I think I just edited our and uploaded our like eight days until the moving truck comes video. Oh, my God. So it's exciting times. I'm sending you all the good vibes. As yeah. they say down here in the South, bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Nick, it is always such an extraordinary pleasure. Thank you for spending time with me today. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for this week's episode of This Can't Be That Hard. I'll be back same time, same place next week. In the meantime, you can find more information about this episode, along with all the relevant links, notes, and downloads at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash learn. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Even better, share the love by leaving a review in iTunes. And as always, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic week.